0: Hey, podcast listeners, welcome to the Retail Leasing Playbook podcast. Today we will be going over chapter 11 from my book, The Retail Leasing Playbook. Chapter 11 talks about the importance of reading and understanding the lease. Now, there's a few different ways you can go about doing that. First, you can do what I did and In the beginning of my career, what we did, my boss and I, is every night, believe it or not, every night, approximately 5 to 5.30 or 5.30 to 6, depending on his schedule, we would get on the phone. I was uh, at a satellite office leasing a shopping center, and we would go through one page of the lease document word by word, sentence by sentence. And he explained to me what each clause meant and how what our position was in our company on that specific clause. It was invaluable experience, invaluable education. Now, I understand that many of you may not have a boss willing or that has the time to invest that amount of time with you. So what my recommendation for you is to take your company form lease and you read each page every day and take notes and then maybe ask your boss to meet with you for 15 or 20 minutes once a week and go over the clauses that you don't understand or that you're confused about and see if he'll do that, or she'll do that. If you can't get their participation with that, maybe you can do something with a peer in your office. Maybe there's another leasing agent, and you guys can have lunch once a week and go over a few pages of the lease, right? Maybe you take a page, and that other person take a page, and you teach each other what you learned. I find that mostly, lease clauses are common sense, but certainly there are some ones that are tougher to understand. Uh, There's still some that trick me up sometimes and I need a lawyer to help me negotiate through it if we're having an issue with a tenant. But understanding the lease, especially uh, the form lease that your company uses is just invaluable for the future of your career. That education will follow you wherever you go, whether you go to another company or two or three in your career, and especially, because I know most of you, my tribe, want to invest in your own real estate, so think about that. You're out on your own now, let's say 10 years from now. You're buying real estate. You need to have a position on these clauses. And, you know, can you hire a lawyer? Sure. But I will tell you that I've had lawyers in my career that have not understood the lease as much as they should have. You know, you definitely pay for what you get. Right. So don't be afraid to pay for good lawyers that have negotiated a former Chick-fil-A deal. Right. That would be the best situation and so but this education that you will give to yourself early on in your career and look if you're in if you've been doing this for 8 to 10 years and you've never done this and you feel like this is a weakness in your skill set don't be embarrassed to pick it up now because again if you want to invest in the future you really need to have a handle on this document so a couple other ways that you can educate yourself is Once you've gone through the form lease, right, now all of the national leases are pretty much on their own forms. So the Starbucks lease has their own form. The 7-Eleven lease has their own form. The Ulta lease has their own form. So go into your company's, you know, whether it's the Dropbox or for, I would want to look at it hard, a hard copy. That's just me. I like to have, you know, paper in my hand and, and look through it. So grab some of the national leases, you know, at least, you know, one or two. I would take an anchor box lease and then a smaller tenant, you know, maybe a Select Comfort, Verizon, Starbucks, any of those, and take a look and go through and see what the position was that your company held firm to, right? So maybe it is a kickout clause where the tenant has the right to terminate their lease if they do not achieve a certain benchmark in annual sales. See what kind of notice provision your company held firm to, see if the tenant had to pay back commissions and TI. So there's all kinds of different pieces to this puzzle of lease negotiations. And the stronger you are, you know, even if you're a tenant rep broker, right, the stronger you are with lease knowledge and education, the better broker you'll be and the better leasing agent. So that, that and then I talk later, uh, you know, in the chapter about different terms that you should be familiar with, right? So, and then let me back up for a second. When you are learning and going through lease documents, really pay attention to the exclusives that you have in that lease, but in also in the entire shopping center. Nothing is worse than a leasing agent who is leasing space and then um, finding out that he showed space, that you showed space to a bakery and you're working on an LOI and lo and behold, your grocery has a bakery exclusive. I'm not saying you couldn't possibly get a waiver, but you really need to understand your exclusives and frankly memorize them. Now, I understand those of you that have 25 properties, I for sure would probably need a cheat sheet. But those of you that have three properties, there's no question that you should have those exclusives memorized. And besides exclusives, there are prohibitions on properties, right? You've got deed restrictions that run through the land that the developer agreed to years and years ago. So you need to know if there's a deed restriction, let's say, on uh, chlorine, or is there a deed restriction on gyms? There's all kinds of you know interesting deed restrictions that run through the land. They're usually fi- found in the ECR Uh, And that stands for exclusives. I don't even know what it stands for, ECR, to tell you the truth. Exclusions and something restrictions. So you see, I need to go back to the drawing board and look up what that ECR, what those letters stand for. So see, even me, 34 years in, owning six shopping centers, I'm not sure. You know, I I have to learn all of the time. So... Understanding, knowing, and memorizing exclusives and prohibitions, crucial. Crucial to your success as a star leasing agent. And then we t- I talk about the different terms, co-tenancy. Uh, you know, if, if Publix moves out, then maybe GNC or Sally Beauty has a co-tenancy with them. That means if Publix moves out, we have the right to move out too because we're only coming here because of Publix. And then there's all kinds of different ways that people negotiate this clause. Uh, Kick out, we talked about, use clause. My really important thing with use clauses is, uh, like I'm doing this right now, I'm negotiating with Aspen Dental, and I said, you know, your use clause is, you know, your dental and orthodontics. And I write after every use clause and no other use or purpose. And they're fighting me on that because they have this new concept called well care and they maybe want to add that later. Well, I have an MD now, so nope, they're not going to be able to add well care later. But um, also by adding another use or purpose, it affects later on the assignment and subletting clause. Because if let's say Aspen Dental doesn't do well, I want them to only be able to assign to a dental and orthodontics use. I don't want them to be able to assign to um, a check cashing place. And when you allow and no other, when you allow and any other retail use into the use clause, that's what you're doing. You're opening up a hornet's nest. So at all times. It's very important for me as an owner to add after the use clause and no other use or purpose. Do I win it one hundred percent of the time with the nationals? I don't, but I fight hard for it. Assignment and subletting, I really want approval on all assignment and subletting. Um, you know, w- will I let them assign to a subsidiary with you know the, the same amount of locations, or a subsidiary with? an equal financial statement at time of signing, yes. But I don't, I require approval when they assign to a franchisee. Because, for example, again, using Aspen Dental, I'm approving Aspen Dental with their balance sheet. Well, if they assign to a franchisee with three locations, it's not gonna be the same. So it's not to say that I wouldn't approve them, especially if Aspen Dental parent stays on the hook. But I want to... Make sure that they have experience, that they have money. So I did the deal with Aspen Dental Parent. I need to have approval rights if I'm going to take a step down, right? Go dark. Um, A tenant's not doing well. They want to go dark, but they continue to pay rent. And then the, the landlord has a right of recapture at a certain point. Because if you have a grocery store that goes dark, and all of your local tenants depend on that grocery store's traffic. Even, and let's say the grocery store moves across the street, they might stay dark and pay you rent because they don't want a competitor to come in right behind them and take and become a different grocery store, right? So it's important that the landlord has a right to recapture that space to, to return to the health and the traffic with of the anchor to help your local mom and pops. Personal guarantees, I try to in every one of my mom and pop or independent deal get a personal guarantee. And in Florida, we require that the spouse signs as well. A guarantee, a personal guarantee of an individual without a spouse is no guarantee at all. So uh, I, and I'd probably get it on 90% of my deals. Rent commencement, my My philosophy is if they are open, then they're paying rent. But I will work with them on time to get their permit and do their construction. But they have to meet benchmarks along the way. I don't want to wake up and find out that, you know, a year later they haven't applied for permit. I also require, in every lease, um, a required opening date. So that if they miss that because they've been lollygagging, I can put them in default if I think that they're a problem. Because just not having a required opening date, it could be two years and they're lollygagging. So I I add that in in all of my leases. Sales reporting, I think it's so important to get sales, whether or not you get percentage rent, it's important to get sales, just so you know how the tenants are doing and how you can predict the future of your shopping center. Relocation clause, Uh, I I will tell you, I rarely, rarely give this up, all because of the time that to do a Home Depot deal, I had to relocate a dentist of 600 square feet, and it cost me $200,000 because I had to buy all new equipment for him. And uh, he was paying like eight bucks a square foot in a market where we were getting 30. Ever since that, and, and I would tell you, most... Positions on lease clauses have to do with a personal story or experience that the boss or the owner has had experienced in the past, like with my situation with the relocation clause. Options to renew, my position is I will only give the same number that I get an original commitment from from the tenant. So if the tenant gives me five years, I'll give them five years, if they give me 10 years, I'll give them a 10-year option or two five-year options. Unless they're a national, like a Starbucks, I rarely exceed the number of options over the original commitment that the tenant gave me. Tenant Approvement uh, Allowance, um, I, in, with paying that, I usually only pay that after the tenant is open, they have their CO, they've started paying rent, and we've gotten all releases of liens. Um turnkey, you know that's uh, self-explanatory. The tenant walks in, turns the key and they open build to suit, same thing. It, usually that is that happens with um, freestanding buildings. You know the you do a deal with chick-fil-A and you they ask for you to do a build to suit. because you're investing all of the money, you get a higher rent because they're you're basically being their lender. And then gray shell and vanilla shell. Gray shell for us is no concrete floor. It's sand. No, uh, the, the, the electrical and plumbing is stubbed in, but there aren't any panels or there aren't any toilets. There's no ceiling tiles. There's no air conditioning. It's just a gray shell. It's four walls and sand and the electrical and plumbing stubbed in. Vanilla shell is you know, for a retailer, pretty much ready to go. You've got uh, you've got the concrete floor, so they would need to come in and put in their flooring. There would be unpainted demising walls, so they would come in and do uh, the paint. But other than that, there are ceiling tiles, there are lights, there are air conditioning. The bathroom is built out ADA to code. Uh, front door back door emergency lights and exit signs. So you know you're ready to go. So vanilla shell is the most common especially when it comes to retail spaces versus restaurants. So that is chapter 11 of the retail leasing playbook chock full of information. I hope you enjoyed that and I look forward for you to listen next week for future chapters 12, 13, and 14 will be my goal. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please share it with your friends. Press like and subscribe so you know every Monday, the Retail Leasing Playbook podcast comes up with a new episode. Thanks guys, hope you enjoyed it. Go lease some space.